everyone. Welcome to Chomping After Dark, the podcast where we deep dive into the stories of our favorite video games, movies, TV shows, and even comic series. This episode has been one in the making for quite a long time. Uh, It's a game that's development process started in 2011, went through an Indiegogo funding phase and a three-year beta access phase. After that, it was finally officially released in 2018. Radical Fish released CrossCode, a game about a girl in a fictional MMORPG who tries to recover her memory and identity. So my name is Shay, and I will be your host for today's discussion. Let me introduce you to the crew who will be joining me. I am joined by a person who has the longest running tally of the number of times they have had to stifle yelling a well-placed, I told you so, at me (laughs) for the number of recommended games they've referred to me that I've ended up loving. The confident yet humble person themselves, please welcome to the show, Josh Fowler. Josh, is that or is that not the most accurate intro I've written in quite some time? That, no, that, you kind of kind of nailed it there. <laughs> For real. I mean, like, it's not that I, I never played this game because, you know, I played it. I started it back in the day and I just never got around to it. And you were very subtle about it. You're like, I don't know if you ended up getting around to cross codes yet. And that was your like subtle way of like, go play this. You know? Yeah. Yeah. But we're finally talking about it, man. It feels it's real. Oh yeah. 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 I like, I, I've been so desperately wanting to play this game for quite a long time. It was, um, is a game that I started, uh, put it down, and then just not got back into it. And I wanted to. I kept saying, I'm going to get to it. I'm going to get to it. I'm going to get to it. And then I had that recent trip to the U.S., and I got it on my Switch. And I had a massive layover from Japan to U.S., and I said, why not get this game finally and play it? And I'm so glad I did. It was the perfect traveling game of being yeah. stuck in multiple airports waiting to go international. Yeah, yeah. I, your your experience playing this actually kind of squares because this game has a lot of good spots to take a break, kind of built into yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's like it's narratively built in, which is really cool. Yeah, and and it's one of those things where even myself and I absolutely love this game. You'd be like, okay, all right, that's that's great. It's time to take a break for a couple weeks and and, and mm. do some other stuff. And and like it's it's still works well enough to pick back up after you've after you've done that um yeah exactly i i it's and we're gonna get into this so much more uh throughout the episode but because of its meta nature and it trying to resemble an mmo uh which it's not mm an mmo um it resembles one um in many ways but it's not technically an mmo because of that nature you have these fictional characters taking a break and so it's like, hey, why not? Why not do that? Why not take a break yeah. yourself? You know, I love that. Yeah, but uh, you had recently said on our uh, big podcast, the Chompcast, that this is in this game. Uh, Crosscode is in one of your top five. It's in your top five as one of the best indie games of all time, in your opinion, or your, yeah. one of your top five favorites. I should probably say. 
That's probably the better way to word that. Yeah. Yeah. I actually think you place it at number one. I think at the time, yes. Um, it, again, it, it's... Changes. It's, it changes. It kind of depends on the mood I'm in. But uh, yeah. it, it's definitely up there. It, it, it can be one in, in any given day. That's fair. And I, like... I'm I'm excited to talk about why you think that is um in this episode. So I'm glad you're here. I'm glad we're finally, finally talking about this game. It's gonna be nice. Um mm-hmm. it, it, it's important to say that from this point on, um, there will be spoilers in this episode. We'll be break breaking down the story of this game, and it is a very lengthy, very in-depth, very crazy, awesome story. So if you are concerned with getting spoiled on the game, please just go play it or watch some playthrough of it if you want to experience it that way. I promise that despite its length, you will want to blow through this magnificent game. But now, turn the lights down low, slip into something more comfortable, make sure you put on your favorite pair of horns, and sip on an exquisitely flavored beverage as we tell you a tale by the fireplace. The game begins with a young woman called Shizuka Sakai fighting her way to rescue her brother. But once she finds him, he dies in her arms. Sometime later, a girl called Leah awakens inside a cargo ship with no memories of her past and is informed by a man called Sergei Asimov that she must play Crossworlds in order to regain her memories. The crew helps her reacclimate to Crossworlds by reminding her of her basic abilities. Shortly after, Leah is assaulted by a mysterious man known only as the Blue Avatar and is forced to escape into the gameplay area. Once reaching the game area, she befriends another player called Emily. The two explore the game together, completing missions for NPCs and fighting the nearby monsters. Eventually, throughout their adventures, they come across the first Scholars Guild and are offered to join, much to their delight. So the game immediately hits the ground running with strong characters and character development, an engrossing story, and a spellbinding world rife with excitement and mystery. I mean, that's one of the first things I remembered when I first picked up the game years back, and it's it's the reason why I've been wanting to get back to it, especially those amazing characters right at the beginning. But Josh, do you remember your first impressions of CrossCode? I know it's been a while, but can you recall kind of what you were thinking? Um, yes. Um, because uh, just kind of full disclosure here. Um. I was one of the backers for this game. Uh, I was looking for your names, your name in the credits. Yeah, when it when it was first announced, and uh, uh, kind of along with, I'm pretty sure it wasn't the Kickstarter. I, I can't I can't remember. It was through Indiegogo. Indiegogo. Um, it's Indiegogo. It was yeah. Indiegogo. Yeah. Um, yeah. 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 Um, yeah. Through that, like a lot of Kickstarters will have, um, you know a big video kind of showing off everything. This mm. one launched with a demo um that you could just play along like right there in the page. Um 
uh, because awesome. the game was uh, built in HTML5. And so you could just play the game. And that initial thing was basically the opening tanker scene from the game. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. So you, you, you got that whole intro section that you could kind of explore uh, right when the game was being started. Right. Um, and that, that kind of, that hooked me so much because the combat was so unique at the time. Uh, I mean, still, still pretty unique. Um, I, I think so. I um, think so. And that just, it, it spoke to me that they were doing such a cool thing right off the bat and that it felt that polished because it, it really was pretty close to the final tanker scene that you play in the game currently. Um, yeah, right off the bat. I mean, I was I was watching old videos of kind of like the the earlier versions of that game, and it it does. It, there's a lot more polish, obviously, in the final product, but it looks very similar. Yeah, you, yeah, and, it still played extremely well early on, which is right. kind of what what really hooked me event at first. One thing that you mentioned is um, it's a very unique feeling game, especially right off the bat. The only game I could think of that has slightly similar mechanics is uh time spinners do you remember that indie game yeah 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 it, it doesn't have a, a, uh, has a little bit of similarities but i would say mm-hmm. that um while time spinners was a fun and great game just the the combat is nowhere near as polished as crosscode and that's yeah yeah the focus that's, on that to, one was, that's more, more yeah. to crosscode's benefit than it is to time spinners deficit i guess is the best way to put that because time yeah. spinners is still a really fun game and mechanically speaking it is it's a blast but yeah cross code is just it is exceptionally tight yeah yeah absolutely um i need to get around to playing it on the switch which is how you played it to kind of see how it plays more as a twin stick sort of affair yes um, but it is you know extremely precise when you're playing it with mouse and keyboard which is really neat um mm. they i it doesn't have anything to do with the story but i'm curious uh how they handle like the switch between melee and ranged on uh ah uh, yeah yeah how, 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 how do they fluid. handle that it's pretty uh, fluid um uh you know i i i'm i'm not the most technically savvy guy so i can't yeah. really speak to, to that too well but it, it feels real good um i had okay no problems with that um as far as my memory is serving i i i really enjoyed the seamlessness of the combat it is very fluid and i okay i never like thought to myself wow this transition between melee and um range is brutal i think if anything i would say more of like the melee to blocking can be like a, and that's more about timing than anything okay but. Yeah, I, I, I want to play it with that control scheme. On uh, on mouse and keyboard, you're you're att- you've got one button for attack, and it's just where you're aiming that changes it. Mm. So if you're aiming right next to yourself, and it's like I don't know, a fairly small ring around yourself, you'll do a regular melee attack. Um, okay. But if you're aiming farther away, you'll instead still do an attack, but it's it's ranged. Uh, and it's, ah, it's okay. very precise because of that with mouse and keyboard. But also, yeah. if you want to do like a melee swing and you're not clicking in the right spot, well, you're not clicking in the right spot. Um, mm. And and I think it probably makes the game a little bit more exacting. Would be my guess. Um, 
playing probably, it that way. But probably it didn't it didn't feel exacting as exacting to me as what okay. you're describing. So I think it maybe switches the more ideal way for me personally. I like yeah. that twin stick shooting aspect or the twin stick yeah aspect of it. Um, my first impressions, I remember this very well because uh, so much so that when we talked about this game all the way back in 2018, there's a character at the very beginning of the game called Gerald McFly. He is, or he's, as he's affectionately called in the game, Captain Jet. And mm-hmm. uh, he's this kind of gruff, supportive um, character. He's a very, he's a very archetypical that's not even a word. Uh, <laughs> but I'm going to go with archetypical character. Archetypical? There you go. You nailed it. You just pronounced it wrong. Yeah, to the point that. where it didn't sound like a word anymore. Yeah. <laughs> archetypical character. Yeah. Um, that I loved him so much that I, I had him in my uh, consideration for best character that year. Yeah. Um. The the characters are really strong at the beginning. Carla Salvatore, Sergei Asimov, Captain Jet, yeah. uh, Leah. All, all the characters you're meeting early in the game, they're very well established early on. And it's, yeah. They're so well established that you feel like you're entering in this world of characters who are controlled by legitimate people, even though most of the characters oh, yeah, you're yeah. meeting in this world are NPCs. Yeah, the... Yeah, like they they, they kind of. I think they do a good distinction. <laughs> That's that that distinction you made there. Um, be, because of the whole set in an MMO thing, some of the characters are meant to be actual characters, and others are meant to be NPCs within the game. Right. Uh, and they do a fairly good job of writing them distinctly enough that it, it's it you know it's obvious enough right off bat the bat whether or not you're talking to an actual person or not right uh, but you know, like the writing's still good for the underlying mmo um but, yeah uh, like like you said especially right off the bat that sort of uh that the the tanker scene right off right off the bat which i, I assume we're going to get into the kind of the story going on there but um mm. These are people that Sergey knows, and he's trying to help you get back into this game to get your memories back. Um, yeah. And you can just feel that these characters have a history together. Um, yes. Right off the bat, uh, that you're not privy to, but it's it's really, it feels it feels really fleshed out immediately. It, it it does like Car- Carl is making like comments to you about Captain Jet and the way he's acting like mm-hmm. don't take it personally kind of thing and yeah there there's this rich and storied world that you have just suddenly entered mm-hmm. and um it's not that like you are it's an exclusive world either you are brought into it very quickly and how quickly and that's that's to its credit the pacing of the game how quickly it integrates you into that world is exceptional um from the get-go like they Mm -hmm. get you into it quick um there's a small tutorial at the beginning of the game that gets you used to the unique um aspects of the combat system and the uh traveling system because the way the way you travel in the game is very important to um how you solve certain puzzles in the game and whatnot yeah but 
um outside of that which is it's a necessary aspect of the game is that small tutorial they do it in a really endearing way too as you get to learn a little bit more about the characters that you're interacting with and whatnot so uh yeah, but the pacing of the game early on is fantastic. They, they they nailed it from the beginning. That was another thing I noticed on my first impression. I was like, damn, this is very well paced early on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they give you a mystery right off the bat um, that kind of pulls you through. And it is a slow burn on that initial mystery, but the world is so big that you're you're still... It doesn't feel like oh they just dropped this thread forever. It is it is very much. It it needs to take its time, to to get back to solving that you know, where are my memories? Sort of a sort of a thing. Yeah. Mm. With, with where the story goes, and obviously we're going to talk about this more as we get along in the episode. I agree with you hundred percent. Like they needed to build up a lot of those reveals. They absolutely needed to because. There, there's one particular scene I, I think about when referencing that that I thought was a little bit um, extreme. But, like, when I reflected upon it, it makes a lot of sense. And we're going to get into that a little bit later, yeah. obviously. But it needs that slow buildup. But dropping that mystery almost immediately, having almost no exposition, was awesome. I was surprised by that. Like it's a little expedition exposition. They give you the the problem almost immediately. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, I, I, I remember really like really liking the intro. And I that's really all I really played of the game is like the intro and the first few hours outside of that, and that yeah. was enough for me to the past four years wanting to get back and play this game again. So um, let's jump into the next section of story. Um, there's a lot that happens here, and it's very condensed down. So during our comments, like the questions, we might divert and talk about some of those story beats in more detail, like we yeah. just did now. So I, I, like that that makes a lot of sense, and I'm glad that we're going to do that because I, I, I want to I wanted to condense it down. That way, I'm not just doing these really long narrative bits and yeah there's a lot of story to go through here that uh a ton yeah there's a ton yeah okay they meet toby nicknamed Citron, and they start doing missions together the leaders of the first scholars call the three adventurers up and inform them of a raid the adventurers agree to participate during the raid with the first scholars leah is dragged away by the blue avatar and trapped in an off-limits area called the Vermilion Wasteland. She is confronted by Shizuka, who reveals that Leah is not a human, but an artificial intelligence called an Evotar, based on the memories of Shizuka. An Evotar goes beyond the typical avatar in that they have the memories of the person they are emulating and they're able to think for themselves and make their own decisions. It is sentient life that is created from the premise of an avatar, in essence. So the game goes much deeper into the avatar concept, so I want to save that discussion for a little bit later, 
What I do want to talk about right now is the game within a game concept. And this is something we were starting to talk about. But Josh, it's no secret that you have a lot of experience with MMOs. I think it's a big part of why you enjoy this game so much, um, amongst the many other amazing qualities. But do you feel like this game does an excellent job of capturing the MMO feel? Yes. Um, in in ways that we're not really going to get into a lot in this because so much of it is side content type stuff or or, or less than side content it, it, it more, more uh different characters that you see running around in the world that mm. you know are leveling kind of alongside you which is kind of a feeling you get occasionally like oh you just you, you happen to play with a similar schedule to this other person so they just keep showing up um here and there like oh oh they're 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 at level seventeen already wow this is cool mm. like I I'm 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 really glad that uh, um you know this this, this person was online this, this, and yeah could... this person we got got to see them again um it it really um, does have that feel right and like even the game does a good job of making it seem like there are people rolling around because you're in while you're in the environments like solving puzzles killing enemies random npcs that you cannot interact with are just running through the area um yeah. and it makes it feel not distracting but like there is a thriving community playing this game yeah worlds. yeah yeah exactly um like the the hubs and the the towns and stuff will have more people kind of chilling that you can talk to because well they're they're just right here we of course i could stop and talk to someone here um, yeah. Uh, whereas, like, when you're out in the world, like, oh, if I'm closer to the main path, like, they, they do a pretty good job of, like, kind of scripting where they're going to run through, like, places with higher traffic or whatever. Um, right. Just you'll you'll see people going by. Um, which I, I, I think really kind of adds a lot to it, just to make it feel like you're not just in an empty world. Um even if, like you said, they don't really interact with you most of the time. It's it's kind of just to add to the feel more than mm. the, any actual mechanical difference there. Um, right. Exactly, yeah. Yeah, and it's cool. You're like, even some of the more hub areas, you will end up having random conversations with the, the NPCs in CrossCode, but they're like yeah, they're not, characters not, in yeah. CrossWorld the game within the game yeah actual players are controlled by people yes um yeah and and oddly enough there are some cool things from their explanation of this mmo which kind of big major one that we didn't really get into right off the bat this is an mmo that is actually in a real world um yes yes in order to make it more you know realistic right sort of a feel to it uh right. humanity has developed to the point where well we're, we found this new planet and there's not much we really want to do with it let's just base an mmo on on a huge you know on a huge chunk of this world um mm. and then you know you can log in to you know play in the the, the evotars like we talked about before are essentially what you're logging in to this actual world to 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 control um well the, the the one distinction I want to make there, you are playing as 
you're playing as avatars, not the Evotars. The Evotars is what Leah is. And she, at this point in the story, she's the only one we know of who is an Evotar. Um, not, not quite. There's, there's, we'll get into the distinction when we get to there, but, but that whole Evotar system is supposed to be everyone there is, is kind of. Really? That's not, that, that was not my understanding of how the story was well, going. Though. Well, well, I, that's a big part that I know we'll talk to more when we get to it. Okay. So I, okay. I don't want to spoil right, that, well, but, but anyway, yeah, yeah, yeah. um, okay. yeah. Anyway, kind of getting back to unique mechanics from this MMO that, frankly, I'd like to see in other things. Uh, hmm. A lot of the, you've you've got the, in a lot a lot of the gameplay, the minute to minute gameplay you're doing are just, well, like you said, we're 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 in this game just playing through it because well, you used to play this game and you're trying to get your memories back, so you're right. just going through the game again, and so a lot of the minute to minute stuff is literally just, oh, I'm just following the main story in this MMO. Hmm. And so you get a lot of this game basically has two stories because you're you're trying to get your memories back and there's this big overarching kind of meta narrative around the whole thing surrounding it. But then your actions are based around just playing this MMO and doing the main story quest, Um, Hmm. which is neat because you get a second story of like all the lore they made up for this MMO and, and, and stuff. Um, but but anyway, the the neat thing that I would like to see this in in other MMOs is uh other characters or not or but other players in the MMO are allowed to give you a quest um that you can then complete for whatever X reward um mm. which is neat because that kind of allows you this other reason to talk to other players who aren't a part of the game itself but who are right. also playing with you, uh, which is neat. Cause like, man, I, I'm trying, I'm trying to farm up materials to get this certain weapon that I've been wanting for a long time. Can you help hmm. me? Can you go, go, go farm these couple things for me or, or whatever else like that? And they'll give you a quest. And it kind of gives you this right. feeling of, you know, helping out another person. And a lot of their games kind of do that with like a, you know, being able to sell or trade items to other people, sort of a thing. Uh, yeah. But I just thought it was neat that, that someone could just give you a quest. Like I do like that a lot yeah. because it's it's not like you're not going to already be out there because the nature of the game, you're solving a lot of puzzles, uh, mm-hmm. environmental puzzles, and you're going to end up running into a lot of the enemies anyways and trying to earn experience and money. So why not get a mission that you're probably already going to be out there doing? You don't have to really go out of your way and yeah. you get rewarded for it. Yeah, I, I I think that would be a cool thing to see in other games. And there's like the closest I think I've seen to that has been things like um in uh Super Mario Odyssey, you can mm. like leave like basically like a beacon that other people can then find. Like if you okay. find a find a way to get to a certain spot, you can like mm. go in and be like, "Okay, this this here if someone can find a way to get here and they'll get like, you know, it's like a minor like coins or whatever reward they get Yeah, that yeah. you've left a beacon there. And that's, that's the closest I've seen to something like this. 
in a game. And I think it would be really cool to see more things like that. And, you know, outside of, you know, like the much more involved, you know, level creator type stuff that, Mm, you know, right. has kind of existed for a while, but yeah. I mean, like, yeah. Like when I think of that concept, the only thing I really think of is like the Pokemon trading, um, in, Mm. in Pokemon games where it's like, I really want this Pokemon. Um, I, for some reason I can't find it or the, the, the game I had, the version of the game I have doesn't have this Pokemon. If you hook me up with this, I'll hook you up with, you know, yeah. a different Pokemon, you know, um, things like that, I guess. And it's not exactly the, the system here where you're going out of your way, offering something, um, to somebody for doing something for you. It's not quite, at that level so yeah i would i would say this is yeah it's a kind of unique concept that would be cool if developers could figure out how to integrate that so there's more player-to-player interaction especially in an mmo yeah it might be one of those things where it's actually in practice would be much more complicated because in this game all those characters are actually just npcs but just written as if they're other players so so obviously it's identical in this game so it's it you know fairly easy yeah. for them to just say this is a you know another player giving you a quest when it's literally identical to every other quest in the game <laughs> but you know that's that's it was that a neat was idea what i was it, it, yeah it'd be really cool and that's something like you're talking about something i was thinking about is um yeah i was trying to think i was trying to think about um how they would do that you know like what what kind of contra- how would they make it like a contracted system if I mm-hmm. offer you this, how do I know I'm guaranteed you're going to give me that, so to speak? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they could basically just kind of hold it in trust. Like, whenever yeah. someone is, accepts the quest, you have to have the money already. And then right. the game just holds it until they either complete it or they abandon it and you get your stuff back. Um, yeah. Yeah. Like, it's it's doable, but it's probably a lot more complicated you know mm. obviously way more complicated than just making another quest uh right in a game that already has quests so um. yeah that's a fair point i mean it's certainly possible um i don't have a lot of experience with mmos i have a little bit i would say that i think it does a really good job of um especially in an indie game simulating what an mmo is like i mean it gets the general feel of it really well especially like how we talked about in the intro or not the intro, the beginning of our first impressions, how it has characters logging in and out. You can call players yeah. uh, in-game to invite them to come play with you as you meet more characters, which um, yeah, yeah, happens a little bit later in the game. You can switch your party up, and you can... They, they're each different classes, so you can mix and match and have fun that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, yeah. I, really, I like that a lot. I like that aspect of the game. Um. Yeah, and and I mean, it's not the first game to have an AI controlled party member or whatever else, but it makes more sense in a game where you're ostensibly playing with another person. Mm. Like obviously, you can't switch controls between them. Whereas if it, if it was another explanation, it might feel annoying. Like man, right. like I wish I could just control this other character. They they keep dying in the same way or whatever. Um. They're they're pretty good. I mean, they're, they're not. They're, perfect. they're usually pretty good, but you know, occasionally they'll die for something stupid. But then again, 
occasionally yes. I die for something stupid. So it, it exactly. kind of it makes sense. <laughs> exactly. And I mean, I th- if I remember correctly, you can give them like basic commands right yeah, like you can say be more aggressive be more defensive yes it's it's very basic stuff it's it, like you said it's kind of it's you know kind of kind of along the lines of like you know really dumbed down kingdom hearts or final fantasy 12 type uh, yeah attack the same person i'm attacking attack lowest health enemies type you can kind of pick which which sort of general yeah. strategy overall you want right. to use it's not like it's not like dragon age level like oh yeah you're no, able no. to switch between characters but like there's a ton of customization and what mm-hmm. you can have your characters do in that game whereas like this one yes very very basic yes yeah yeah so there's that but i do think like as a general whole it does a pretty good job um for capturing the mmo feel and on top of that because it is an indie game i like I want to give it additional credit for that. You know, like it doesn't have a big budget to kind of capture that feel, nor is that the like main goal of it either, but it's still pretty impressive. I think. Yeah. Yeah. I I think they did a pretty good job because like I was saying with like a lot of the recurring characters that you see who are other players wandering around, you Mm. kind of get a feeling for these people, even from like a line or two here and there, because they're not even talking to you. They do a, uh, there's a system in this game that I really like. Um, it's not unique at this point, but, you know, with just with the characters talking as you walk by that you can just kind of see their dialogue boxes. Um, mm. uh, but the the kind of unique thing about this is since it's an MMO, you could respond if you want to. So you'll just see somebody having a conversation with the text box or whatever, uh, but, like, if a glowing word shows up in it, like if someone's talking about something you're interested in, you can like click on that word and kind of butt into their conversation um, to, you know, like, okay, like you said something I'm interested in. What, what What's all this about? Um, which kind of right. feels like that. Cause every now and then that'll happen. Somebody's just talking, not in like a party chat, just, just talking out in the world hmm. and it'll be something interesting. And you'll, Oh, I'm, I'm going to butt into this conversation. I, I'm I'm interested in what some you know these people are talking about, um, right? And it does it like it feels more like an MMO just because of the way they handled a lot of the little dialogue systems in this game. Um, yeah, they did a really good job. Like like you're saying, I love my some of my favorite bits are in the game are when you're doing some of those those um, dungeons. And one of your party members will just randomly call you while you're in the dungeon, yeah, yeah. making a comment on the dungeon. Mm-hmm. Like that, that gives it so much like lived in feel. And not only that, that you're not playing with NPCs, you're playing with quote unquote actual character or actual people that are controlling yeah. characters. Yeah. So it's it's great. It does that stuff so well. Um, let's jump into the next uh, story bit of the main story. Um, after escaping back to the cargo ship, Sergey reveals that he used to work on the creation of Crossworlds in the Instatainment Company, along with his friends, Gotham R- Ranganathan, I think that's how you say it, Ranganathan, <laughs> Shizuka, and her brother, Satoshi. These three friends, excuse me, these four friends in secret 
began to work on the Evotar project, which was denied by Instatainment until disappearing years before the current events of CrossCode. Once Sergei discovered Leah, he decided to help her recover her memories in an attempt to look for his friends. So, Josh, I had to be honest about this. Um, one thing that actually really bothers me about the story is uh, Shizuka and Sergei explain that Evatars are sentient, yet when Sergei reveals that he was using Leah to search for the others, Leah doesn't really seem bothered by that, and neither does Sergei. So, it's just like, oh, I'm using this sentient life as kind of like a means to an end. In some way, it feels that way. Obviously, there, it, Sergei does care about her, but also the reveal felt a little bit cold in a way. Did you attribute that to kind of like Leah's lack of a reaction to her just being strong as a character? Or is it just, in your mind, something of minimal importance in the grand scheme of the story? Um, I mean, I don't feel like they breezed over it too much. Um, hmm. it, 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 I mean, it, probably by by comparison to the entire game, yeah, it's not like a huge amount of time they spend kind of reconciling that. But they, there's still hmm. quite a few. There's there's an extended beat there with them, um, not being on good terms. Uh. There, there, that is true. That is true. Um, I thought it like them not being on good terms is more of him withholding information and not him actually using her as a means to an end. But you're you're right. There, there is an extended period there which I didn't I didn't really build into the into the script here. Yes, where they're not talking to each other. She's like, "Leave me alone. Don't talk to me." After he starts revealing this information that he withheld from her, and like she's clearly bothered by it. But um, I guess you could lump it up into all of that as kind of her reaction. Like maybe that is kind of like the inferred reaction is that she realized I was kind of being used in some ways. And, you know, she has that reaction. I, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe it's more of like a uh, subtle um, undertone of what's happening. But it just like because I had recently played it, it kind of it, it rubbed me the wrong way. I guess, and how like it's the one yeah. part of the story that actually rubbed me the wrong way a little bit, and it's not like an egregious or terrible thing. I just I was like, huh, if if this like this game is really talking about one of the main themes of this game is like talking about what is sentient life. If you know AI become has the ability to um, take memories and then become its own individual, is that not sentient life? And um, what do we do with that sentient life once we, in in effect, create it? A game that was focusing on that, and then that was kind of the reaction that the sentient life had once finding out that it it or she uh, is being used as a means to an end. I thought that that was kind of a weird reaction to have, uh, for Leah to have after finding that out, I guess. It, it, I guess... I expected her reaction to be more along the lines of, so that's that's my purpose for you to use me to find your friends kind of thing. And there was no reaction like that. And I was I was a little bit surprised because I think the average person 
in that situation would have reacted that way, you know? But well, I mean, the the big thing we've not mentioned so far is that Lee can't talk. So That's also, I, it, like she could, at, at that point she could say stop. Yeah, and <laughs> bye. Um, yeah, which is about as much reaction as she has for him, which is you know. Leave me the fuck alone in as many words as she has to say that. Right. Um, yeah. Yeah. That is one thing. Yeah. We should state right now is like, obviously, if you haven't played this game and you're just hearing fall, happen upon this now, one of the big things of the story is she doesn't have the ability to speak. And um, obviously, Sergey knows why. No one else really knows why. They're, they're chalking it up to some kind of bug within the MMO game. And it's been reported that some characters end up going through that. And so a lot of people chalk it up to that. But what the truth is, because uh, Leah is an Evotar, that the um, she hasn't been, quote-unquote, programmed fully correctly. And she's kind of a, she's kind of a, what is it? She a, would have been a, one of the first ones, considering she's right. based off of someone who is aware of the project. So... Exactly, um, and and on top of that, she's like a brand new facet into a game where she's not supposed to exist, essentially. Um, yeah, um, and I th- I think we're there, so I'm gonna kind of go back in on that whole Evotar Avatar distinction. I think here. Yeah, I mean, um, I, let me see. The, let me just double check to make sure my question doesn't exactly deal with that. Okay, all yeah, right. yeah. This yeah, this is a good spot. Okay, yeah, this okay. would be a good spot. Um, the the whole Evotar avatar distinction thing is that everyone there has an avatar that they're logging into in the game, which is essentially yes. just digital. Um, right. However, because this is on another planet and whatnot, in order to make that connection much more immediate and distinctive, um, they're using essentially what in any other game would be you know a predictive movement and then rubber banding to put you back where you should be based off your actual inputs mm. um the evotar program is basically using an ai along with your avatar to learn exactly how you'd react in every situation mm. um in order to make their game much more realistic and 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 realistic so it, it feels like everything you're doing is immediate because this is is supposed to be like in uh in like a vr like a fully immersive mmo mm. sort of a situation um, right and the evotar project was essentially that but like you said lee is sentient because essentially they they made it too good they made their program learn so much about whoever is controlling it that eventually they kind of are able to think completely on their own um mm. not just you know be able to predict a second ahead of whatever someone is currently doing in the game um yeah i mean like for the most part that 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 was my understanding as well maybe like some of the minutia i yeah, didn't fully it's, it's, understand but yeah, yeah. As far as how widely they spread that system out, it's hard hmm. to say whether or not that was rolled out 
to everyone where everyone's using that same sort of predictive thing uh yeah my my understanding was that at the point we are in the game everyone is is using an avatar without understanding it whether or not they've been playing long enough for that you know mm. connection to be that strong and uh, uh, do, do we do we want to get into the surveillance part of this as well now or, uh, or not, not yet? quite yet not okay quite I'll, yet. <laughs> I'll wait on that but yeah. but it, it seems like this is supposed to be eventually a system-wide thing and, and right. also not just system-wide like uh, yeah, we could use this in whatever other game because it's it's a useful technology technology yeah um and th- yeah, I guess like the, where where my confusion was, I thought they were technically all avatars, but the avatar is the like the once name they have of... become sentient. Yes, yes, that was what I thought. I, I don't meant. know. You could you could say it that way. Like they call it the avatar project the whole time, and the point was not to make sentient life. So it, it seems like it was just meant to be the whole predictive AI portion of it mm. uh, initially. Um, yeah. Maybe, maybe like it's so like I, one I of those know. things where the, the the definition of that word took on a new meaning once, with once, the creation of Leah. Yes, yeah. Once once they realized, oh, we're we're not just you know creating some you know small scale predictive technology, but it, it's it's we we accidentally created full scale AI life. Um, yes. Um, yeah. And one of the things I really like about this is, for me. All things, almost all things go back to Star Trek uh, in my life. And uh, there's definitely been one or two episodes in Next Generation yeah. that have dealt with this exact concept. So it always makes me wonder when I see stuff like this. Not that I'm saying it's an unoriginal idea. I don't want to take anything away from that. But it makes me wonder, is like that episode of Star Trek an influence on this idea in a more modern day approach instead of like a fu- like super futuristic approach you know and i that's what i really like about this concept is because i think a lot of people right now are in fear of ai and like where that could go i mean Mm -hmm. there's that there's that news story recently of the amazon worker being fired um because he claimed that there was a part of the system he was designing the ai system that was sentient. the the algorithm was already sentient um, right which pretty sure that was a google employee but um but also yeah you might be right i'm um, google sorry but also looking into that more the 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 things he was working on probably not like this this is this may be a matter of being a little too involved in your work at least just kind of looking at the stuff he was looking at i I don't there's there's an awful lot about machine learning we don't understand but it doesn't seem like agreed we're there yet agreed but But like that that is like the fear of a lot of people as Yes, we, yes. As technolo- technology is becoming more and more advanced, um, you know, like there are people on social media posting videos all the times of uh, like robots and things of that nature doing incredible, incredible things. Mm-hmm. Um, and it even like I'm sure some people have seen the Black Mirror episode with those robotic dog-like creatures um, chasing after people for 40 minutes, and it's basically a, a suspenseful action-packed horror episode of ai technology and stuff like that you know like Mm -hmm. there are depictions of that stuff and like the the 
horrific nature that it could go down that road it could go down and so yeah. what i like about this story is that because that is such a big fear of ai that it kind of deals with that in some ways of what if we do create sentient life with ai what what would a company's reaction be who would look at this in a positive way and who would look at this in a negative way uh, like yeah positive way being like this is amazing this is a brilliant beautiful discovery and other people are like how can i use this um yeah yeah and i i think they tackle it in a really effective way by having you play as you know this this um you know emerging sentient life ai life um and 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 also kind of with the the added a we did it by accident and b you're already implanted with an actual person's memories which is kind of there's there's a there's a ton of that that's that's a that's a different take that i've not really seen a lot done with is the whole you know um you know lee's trying to get her memories back so she doesn't have those but that's kind of the 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 where this sprang from part of it Mm. uh is you know the ai just thinks they're the human that they've been copying this whole time sort of a sort of a thing um and and that's a, that's a pretty unique take on that idea right. uh, i mean not not completely we've got stuff kind of like that in sci-fi as a as a concept but i've not seen it done you know as a oh this this is where ai is going to come from sort of a mm. world to explore uh-huh. right right exactly exactly and one of the other things I like about which will transition really well into the next uh, part of the story is I like the way that they explore the different aspects of what people and the industry thinks about this um, yeah. sudden revelation. Because a lot of people, I think nowadays, are like, uh, you know, uh, this person, this billionaire who created this company fucking sucks, and it's a very black and white issue. And it's very easy to be black and white, especially when you look at the state of the world um, as of this recording, which is uh, August 27th, 2022. Um, it's easy to look at the state of the world and be like, yeah, fuck all billionaires. Fuck all the tech giants who don't give enough back kind of thing. And what I like about this is this game, as we're about to talk about, is the corporate entities involved, there's more nuance to it. So with that, yeah, we can jump back in the story. Back in the game area, Leah reunites with her friends and fellow guild members. After completing more missions and leveling up, Leah locates Satoshi and Shizuka's hideout. They inform inform they inform her. They they inform her. <laughs> <laughs> the hell happened there? Um they inform her that they, along with Gotham, were forced by a man called Benedict Sidwell, a black market financer who funded the Evotar project, to participate in a scheme to create Evotars based on Crossworld's players and extract valuable information for him illegally. Satoshi had secretly hidden Leah in Crossworld code for Sergei to find, allowing him to locate his former colleagues. 
she also learns that the real Satoshi is already dead, but left behind an Evotar based on himself. Satoshi and Shizuka also reveal that their other partner, Gotham, who had disappeared, was given power by Benedict to be able to create worlds and be anything he wanted to be inside of Crossworlds. Meaning that the blue avatar that kept chasing Leah was Gotham himself. So of course we see Satoshi killed at the beginning of the game, but by this point I had actually forgotten about that due to how much story development had taken place at this point. So, Josh, were you kind of surprised by this series of reveals despite the beginning? So that means not only uh, Satoshi being dead and his Evatar kind of taking the place um, of him, but Benedict Sidwell, the whole Evatar project, Gotham uh, being the blue Avatar. Like, what did, what did you think about this, like, series of reveals that happened? I mean, a lot of it had kind of... There, there's an awful lot of this that's kind of led into um through this with you know like different files you can find and and whatnot uh along the way if if you if you find them um type things um the whole satoshi was sick and didn't think he was going to live through his entire project anyway which is kind of why he started all this stuff you know it's like right. okay I, I can make a little extra money before i go so it's it's worth doing but also i don't want this to go on and make the world a worse place without me so like like tr- try to you know le- leave enough behind that people will be able to find out what's going on so you know his project doesn't you know just completely ruin his, you know, legacy in the world after him. Um, mm. um, there is a lot going on here as far as so much all at once. Um, yeah. trying, well, trying to keep track of. We have a lot to talk about right now. <laughs> yeah. Um, the, the whole blue avatar thing is like, as, as far as the, the way he's introduced and whatnot, I think is a little, eh, whatever is fine. I think as a character, um, Gatham is, is more of a, he's fairly sympathetic because he's, he's working on the same project as Satoshi mm. and, uh, uh, Shizuka, Shizuka and, and, uh, and, and Sergei, and um, Sergei. Yeah. But he's been, you know, completely corrupted by the amount of money that's being thrown his way in order to, you know, just, just do what he's told and, right. and make sure no one else can ruin things for them. Right. Um, and it's, it's interesting. Be- Frankly, I think he's one of the characters that I, I think really could use a little more development as far as that goes in, in, in this story, because you, you can tell that the rest of the crew really like him because they didn't even know he was the blue avatar at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, right. And feel betrayed. And you, you get this feeling that there's, there's a whole lot more 
kind of lost love here going going on b- between the other characters, not you, and it's it's. And that that's I I guess that's okay because it's not someone you would have known, um. But it it definitely feels like it wouldn't the, made that that twist cut a little bit deeper. Yeah, if, if you, you had knew just more a about him before. More. Yeah, and because it, it feels like, oh man, this is such a big deal to Sergey whenever he finds out about this, and you're like, okay, like I, I yeah. you know didn't didn't know as much. Um, of that as, as as far as that goes because again you've been slowly getting your memories back through through this kind of whole process still don't have all of them um right that that won't happen for a little while longer um mm. not not too much but also it no. it kind of um it definitely feels like it's a twist that's not for you i guess yeah, yeah, that is a great way of wording that. Absolutely. Um like the, there yeah. are other things going on here, but it's like that okay, it's it's one of those things you can kind of you can blow past it in a way that mm. it, it really hangs some of the other characters up for a while after this. Um Yeah. Knowing that, you know. Yes. They they've yeah, been I, trying to accomplish this thing so much and Oh man, they were betrayed the whole time. But yeah, I, you're you're I th- kind of think... finding out who the character is at the same time you're finding out that they betrayed you, and so it's just it doesn't. Yeah, it's not the same sort of it's not gut as punch to you as the player mm-hmm. as it is kind of presented from these other characters' perspectives, and it feels a little weird at the time. But I guess you know it it makes sense narratively. It's just as far as the weight of the in, of the moment goes. I'm not sure if it was the right choice or not. Like maybe they sh- they could have talked about this character more beforehand, but then I I don't know I, I I don't know if there was a better way to give this the same weight to you as to all the other characters around you. Um, that when yeah, this happened, it's, it's it's weird. Like uh, Sergey almost references. Uh, Shizuka and Satoshi more in some ways than Gotham. Yeah, yeah. It feels that way. I'm not saying that's sorry. I should reword that. It feels that way. It, I'm, not I'm saying sure he does. That. Um, but yeah. It, and so, like for me, the most impactful part of everything that happened, like I was a little bit surprised by um the re- reveal of Satoshi, but then I was like, oh wait, I should have known that because he died at the beginning. <laughs> as I kind of reviewed the information I had accrued thus far. And so it's yeah. not a huge reveal, but it is a slightly shocking reveal, especially when you just see him sitting there. Um, well, that, yeah, that but it's kind of the... cool. Not really inciting instant for you as a character, but again, this this is hinted at because you kind of have your experience is mostly that of Leah's, but you also get little pieces here and there of some of her memories coming back, right? That, that because we're the player we just have slightly more context for than she does mm. um of sergey like this this is the whole thing like like satoshi told me to come find him and he should be very dead right now so that it really makes sense that he would go through all this trouble to you know get lee logged back into the game and and you know 
conscious again in order to accomplish right. that. Because my dead friend is texting me. Uh, we need to find out what's going on with that. Um, <laughs> right? Yeah. So, I mean, like, that reveal is important, but it was it was slightly shocking, but not super shocking. It's important for the story. Yes, yes. Uh, the God... Uh, sorry. The, uh, the Benedict... Uh, the Benedict information is really interesting because it gives you context. Like, why, why does Leah exist? We know that yeah. she exists. We know the process she was creating created um by we don't know why she exists up until that point and then um the thing we haven't really talked about as they're talking about benedict being created and stuff she uh leah actually remembers at a certain point where she and benedict would walk around and they would talk together and he was getting to know her and the thing is he seems like an amicable guy like the way that the the flashbacks of her remembering that are framed, he seems like a reasonable, decent guy, and it almost had a twin or a tinge of like them possibly falling in love. You know, obviously that's not what it is, but it, like they could have taken it that direction, in, in if they really wanted it to. It, like he seems like a good person in that those flashbacks through the lens of Leah. But what we're seeing from the other people is like he's doing this really heinous shit. Like they're cre- like they're they were initially creating these evotars as you were talking about earlier to basically become a, a clone of people. Yeah. In part, in part for enhanced gameplay experience, but mainly for him, it was about um, extracting information. Yeah, and... I, I think. Yeah. Um, Go for it. And- granted that whole lead up lee eventually does remember him being a a complete bastard to her once you know that is true once she doesn't have any use anymore but um that is true too yeah i i think now is kind of the time to get into the the full evotar project because um it's not just ai trying to predict all your you know your motions and whatnot um hmm. what you're going to do it's it's a it's it's a matter of as you are logged into the game the uh the uh the game is scanning your brain in order to make essentially in order to make that ai right. controller that you're you're basically logged into um the rest of the people on the project thought this was just oh it's going to make the gameplay experience so much better it's going to make it we we could use that for for other applications where it's you know we we need that basically one to one feel of like just instant like no no amount of lag for doing you know more more exacting or dangerous jobs um hmm. while while using this system for i don't know like asteroid mining or whatever um <laughs> right like they they see it as a really necessary thing, not knowing that because of the whole, oh, we're doing brain scans of these people. Point being, Benedict is wanting to do that so he can then use these AI versions of whoever is logged in to then scan, not to scan their brain, but to in order to get information out of anyone. Mm. who logs in to the system uh it's 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 you know 
basically the internet as it works currently. But if they were able to get an actual brain scan instead of just everything you do anywhere, um, which is the current thing, not much better, but you know, the mm. point being, well, we could get passwords out of anybody, any information out of these, you know, people by just whatever means we want to at this point. Cause you know, we, we, we've got a digital clone of them and uh, mm. nobody knows about it. So we can do whatever we want to them to get this information. Um, right. And uh, yeah, Satoshi kind of realizes what's going on, which is why he sets things in motion in order to try to get information out about it. Mm. Um, leading up to the intro to the game where we were at at first with you know that that kind of cold open um to the game where uh Shizuka's trying to track him down um in the game um finally giving you the context to that like what what was going on there um, right yeah it's it's such a like the thing is because it, this information is really important. It's not something that you can like trickle out easily. It's something that does have to kind of be an info dump. And yeah. it's a very, it's a, it's a kind of abstract concept to a lot of people in some ways, you know, sentient life created from um, AI that was being used for nefarious, that was originally created under um, useful means, but ended up being for nefarious means. There's a lot of moving parts there. Yeah, and, there really um, are. Um, it can it, be easy to confuse. Obviously, you see us kind of talking through some of it and hash, hashing out like our understanding of it and whatnot. Um, it is a fairly difficult concept, but um, I would say I would say like if 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 anything, like this is where the pacing kind of takes. I don't want to say takes a dump because that sounds like a really negative thing. It just like it slows to a grinding halt. There, there's an awful lot going on right here, and frankly, they do a really good job of keeping the different aspects of it held together pretty well. Because one thing we've not gotten into too much so far is you know the different members of the guild that you're a part of, mm. trying to get your right. memories yeah. back and. Um, Anyway, during this yeah. section, when you're brought to this other thing, one of your other guild members is is also here. Yeah, Lucas. Uh, Lucas is here. And so you're trying to figure out why you're both stuck here, because you can't access the rest of the game and 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 make your escape from, from here while you're finding mm -hmm. all this information out. There's, yeah. there's so much going on for you, but you've also got someone to kind of keep you grounded. Um, what's what's fucked up about that too is that um like you 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 go through this really harrowing experience so the like the Ver vermilion wasteland stuff happens almost right before uh leah and crew finds satoshi and shizuka's hideout yes. it happens like directly before and the fucked up thing is like she goes through this harrowing experience with lucas in the vermilion wasteland that when she goes back to the guild and she sees lucas in the guild she gives them a hug and everyone's like, what the hell is going on? And it yeah. turns out they figure out after discussing everything. And she after, reveals after everything. everything we find out here after the fact that, yeah, that was just Lucas's Evotar who got right since, since they were, which kind of lends 
thoughts to the they haven't rolled out the Ibatar program to everyone if mm. you the two of you there were maybe the only two that had Ibatars currently so whenever they teleported you out of it to the Vermilion Wasteland maybe he was the only one who got caught up in it so so maybe this mm. is not a universal thing right. it's, it's hard to say as, as far as that goes it might be it, not yeah, that I, not that I, it particularly matters because it seems like the point being we eventually want to be able to collect this information from everyone, but w- whether or not it's that widespread or not is it's you know neither here or there as far as that actually matters. But um, yeah, it's it's not, it's not like a super major thing, but it just it is the little buildup you need to when this this reveal drops. It's like oh fuck okay yeah I see where this could be dangerous. You know yeah yeah absolutely. Um, and I think that kind of helps to humanize it because, again, there's so much that goes on here. Like you said, there's just there's so much information in a really mm. short amount as as far as the, the like the meta, not meta, but the actual story of the game, not not the cross worlds story, which is a lot of what you get earlier on with just bits mm. and pieces of flashbacks as you recover a memory here or there. Um, right yeah like you're absolutely right yeah yeah there's, I would there's say, so much really there's so much here. like and i think that's part of unfortunately to gotham's um like why his reveal doesn't feel as impactful either is because you have all this like serious heavy shit going on and it's like oh, oh yeah. yeah by the way gotham's the blue avatar <laughs> and you're like all right, right. whatever <laughs> yeah exactly like you're finding about him you're finding about um Satoshi and uh, Satoshi Shizuka. being oh, oh, this is basically just recordings left by him to, in order to to set this in motion. Like he's not actually alive. There's so mm-hmm. much going on right here that yeah, and like and it begs yeah. in the question: like, is Satoshi like this version of Satoshi? Is he similar to Leah in that he's sentient life? You know, created from it as well. And it's like something they don't really go into detail in the game. Like, and I don't think they need to. But then it begs the question: then like. How far has this program gone exactly? And you don't know by the end yeah. of like that is the one thing like I will jump ahead and say you don't know by the end of the game how far this project has quote unquote gotten. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, obvious kind of hints of it in the Vermilion Wasteland section. They do a where, little bit. Where, yeah. I, I don't know. You see dozens of people who are stuck there who are. Presumably, Evo tires. Presume. Well, I, I, they they have to be. No one else could be there, right? Right. Um, so, w- whether they're there because of testing reasons or they're actively being, you know, pumped for information, which is mm. kind of the the actual point that, um, you know, the team didn't know about, but Benedict was actually building it for. Well, like, is mm. he actually getting information out of these people at this point? Um, right. But yeah, it it seems like it's still ramping up anyway, but but not not super small scale at this point, Um, right? So yeah, it hasn't it hasn't fully clashed yet, but they are really yeah, they're getting to the build up of what's about to happen, and they do Mm -hmm. even though it grinds like the pacing grinds to a halt, it picks up again pretty quickly. Yeah, th- like there's there's a lot to process here, and they do a good job of allowing you to process it. Yeah, especially, I think they sorry do. Sorry to jump in there. Yeah. I wanted to say, like, I, this, this is something we didn't mention either. Is 
I found the the scenes between um Leah and Shizuka, um, who Leah is modeled after particularly yeah, yeah, powerful. Because yes. at first Shizuka seems really petulant when you first meet her, but then you get the context of everything that's happening, and you're like that makes a lot of sense, you know, like yeah. what's, I, I what she's we, going through. Did we say this? But anyway, Lee is Shizuka's. Yeah, 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 yeah. I can't yeah, I, remember, did, I did mention that. Yes. I couldn't remember if you said it or not because there's so much that happens right here. I yeah, want, I yeah, want, we're, there's we'll, a lot we're going we'll over. We'll circle back yeah. around to it. But anyway, that's 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 the reason that she's been so short with you is because why the fuck would she care about you? You're just her digital clone that was made in this stupid fucking project that ended up killing her brother. Uh, well, not really. Like he was again. He was sick, and this was just kind of the last thing he worked on. But something yeah, I, that I, she I, she knew shouldn't he shouldn't be wasting his time on. Le- less about death. killing her brother and like yeah. th- there are these four like really good friends slash coworkers, and it destroyed what they their their vision, and it destroyed their friendships with each other. Yeah, yeah. Um, um, so she, she really is not your biggest fan even though you are the same person basically exactly Um, and because because they decide to represent that and they did such a good job there are a lot of moments with her and there's one particularly touching moment where um you're outside of their hideout and you're kind of in this off the grid space and it's in this really beautiful area where you and her sit by this tree by a pond and you guys just kind of hash shit out and yeah. it's a really beautiful, touching moment. And that moment is kind of like the embodiment of us in some ways, kind of coming to terms with all the information we just learned and kind of processing yeah. it. And the, like them kind of hashing things out allows us to process it. Um, yeah. Yeah. Because no, like we, we, are emo- we, we are emotionally detached compared to the other players that of what's happening. So like, oh, yeah, yeah. it is, it is, and this is like, to your credit, what you were saying earlier, Josh, it's such a brilliant choice to make us play as Eva or sorry, not Eva, Leah, the Evo tar, because, um, we like, there's no way we could be as emotionally attached to the events that are happening. Quote unquote, as compared to Satoshi, as to Shizuka, as to, um, Gotham, as to Sergei. Yeah. Like they like this is their lifeblood, and yeah. the best way we can connect with that is by taking control of this character who is kind of like, like just thrust into this. Has some level of emotion, obviously, but also it's kind of manufactured in some ways, and it's it's like a weird, yeah, cool, it's um, what what an, not analogy, but it's like an embodiment of that as like how we kind of play video games is like obviously we can't. Fully yeah, grasp the gravity of what's happening, but like, it's like a, a not proximal, but it's like a f- facsimile. Ver- I, don't, I don't have the right. Yeah, words. no, because these these are all events that affect you, but you don't really have any say into how they came about. Like this is right. Like this is kind of your story, but you had fuck all to do with it. Like it, this was all set in motion beforehand. Mm. Um. And you eventually get to the point where you can make an impact on on where the story is going. I mean, not not in a gameplay sense. The, you're you're playing through a story here, but as far as like right. the character Lee is concerned, uh, like yeah, like okay, I'm I'm not just this. This is kind of the turning point in that where you find out everything. Like you're you're given the whole big picture, and from from here on out, 
you are your own character. You're not just being used in order to accomplish someone else's goal. Um, and it, I think, like you said, it, there's, there's an awful lot here, and pacing-wise, it is a lot, but I think it works. I think, I think it does work, even though there's so much going on here, um, because it is just like a very stark, distinct line. Like, okay, I mm. finally have the whole, the full picture. What do I do now? Right. Um, and that's it, exactly right. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I, I love a lot of like the metaphors that are happening here. Um, and just, th- I think that the care and consideration that the, the create, the developers of this game and the writers of this game had by noting that, yes, we are slowing the pacing to a grinding halt here. Mm-hmm. Let's give you some time to process this information and they do it in a low stakes safe way and then they ramp it up yeah. slowly from there you know like it's so important to note that that like they don't they don't give you all this information and you're just thrown back out into crossworlds to process it cuz that would be, feel really really stilted yeah. in a very bad way but they they narratively force you to process it in a slow safe environment and that's that's yeah and why and, and, why those reveals hit you so so hard yeah and and not just that i I don't know if you've got a whole section for it next but kind of the, the the point immediately following this is that okay like I, I finally escaped this section i found out what's going on hmm. you're you're meeting back up with your guild and kind of hashing things back out with them with the full knowledge of who you are finally and kind of mm. processing it with them, with the, with the friends you've made all on, on your own, because essentially the, the whole story, the whole game that's gone on from the beginning of the game of you meeting these new friends in cross worlds while you're being used for this other mission. You didn't know anything about, um, those are your own friends that you've met. These are not someone else's memories. You've, you've yeah. These aren't Shizuka's friends. Yeah, these, these yeah, exactly. Your... These are your friends, and you've kind of there. There is a moment of, oh man, I'm I'm not my own person. I've been used for all this stuff, mm. but you're able to process it kind of with this feeling of no, no, I'm I'm not just a clone of this other person. I've had my own life. We've done all these other things since then. I'm, I'm, I'm my own person. And there's, there's a lot to work through here. Like this is legitimately a ton to, to try to get your head around. And they did a really good job of, of accomplishing that. Um, the 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 character writing I've talked about being some of my favorite parts of it, and I think that's really what makes um the whole thing come together is is you talking to all these you know different friends you've made along the way um mm. and kind of how I'm, how they react to everything I'm glad you're bringing that up because I didn't write that um I didn't quite build that into the script, and I'm really glad you did because. It's it's one thing that I kind of gl- 
glazed over is when Leah disappears from the raid, that cancels the raid for the first scholars. And Emily, which is one of her friends, is really pissed off at her and just yeah. will not talk to her. And the part you're talking about uh, where, like, Emily, like, eventually accepts it. Like, she hasn't forgiven Leah, per se, but she accepts it. She says, like, there's because of the communication issue, there's no way to know exactly why. And uh, Leah's having, I don't want to say quite PTSD, but having some um, issues kind of coping with what happened in the Vermilion Wasteland. So... Yeah, Emily yeah. kind of accepts it, but when they kind of have this heart to heart after um, after she comes back from Shizuka and Satoshi's hideout, that they're able to finally communicate that as they figure out a way for um, Sergey to communicate with everybody and tell fill everyone in on what's happened. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That Emily finally realizes, okay, this is what happened. Leah didn't fuck us over, and Leah's being used and abused by this this like corporate entity and they have this really big heart to heart and some of the other members understand Lucas kind of reconciles with there's a uh a version version of me me right now being tortured back in the vermilion wasteland like you have all this stuff kind of come to a head and yeah you, you make a really good point like they reconcile their issues back there as well and um it is a yeah. huge info dump. It is a huge story and narrative dump, but they do it in a really, really good way. And I'm glad you brought it up because, like I said, I hadn't built it directly into the script. Yeah, yeah. I think that's a huge, again, as far as, like, plot-wise, not, not a lot going on there, but there's there's an awful lot as far as the characterization goes, as, as far as kind of rehumanizing Sergei at this point. Like, okay, I, I understand that Lee's having a, a hard time with all of this kind of getting everything that just happened has really put a strain on the friendship she has made here and mm. doing what he can to fix things. Um, I thought was really cool. Cause it, it does, it, it takes a while to kind of get that, initial dynamic back of okay he's on my side uh Mm. and this this scene kind of goes a long way in in doing that um um yeah it 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 does yeah i mean it's really important for all these characters to kind of reconcile and be on the same page and for there being a reason why what happens next in the story to happen like they're, they're like these these this scene needs to exist um, for the next to happen. So uh-huh. let's let's get into that really quickly. Let's get into that next bit of story. Before Leah and her friends go to confront Benedict in the Vermilion Wasteland, Citron informs Leah and the crew that he has to log out and will be gone for an unknown amount of days due to personal reasons. So, with the help from the rest of her friends, Leah storms Vermilion Wasteland, where the server containing all Evatars is located, in order to stop Sidwell's operation. Gotham, as the Blue Avatar, intervenes on both ends to deliver Leah the ultimate experience, as he coins it. 
which means that is the one final challenge in the form of the big bad dungeon and a final boss duel. After she overcomes the dungeon and defeats him, he gives her access to the server before committing suicide in atonement for cooperating with Sidwell, and then he ends his life. With his plans foiled, Sidwell accepts defeat and flees. So, before we discuss the actual endings and what happens um, after these these uh, big events, there are a few minor points I actually wanted to discuss. Now, the first one is a little bit less to do with the game. Uh, sorry, a le- less to do with the story and a little bit more to actually do with the gameplay. And the reason why I put it here is because if we discuss this uh, in a non-spoiler cast area, that we might be still spoiling certain aspects of the game. Yeah. But I think it's really important to talk about this. Josh, how did you feel about the final dungeon in the game? Um, I mean, it's less so a dungeon than all the other dungeons It is as far as it's kind of set up like this This could take hours and hours sort of a thing, and, and we really don't have time right now. Um, hmm. to, to, to the point where we're, we're, we're just going to cheat our way through it, um, at this <laughs> point, cause I've got so many friends who, you know, know how to help me, especially Sergey at this point, um, right. in order to help you through this dungeon that's got, I, I can't, I can't remember if they say it's like a, a hundred or a thousand floors if you were to actually do it properly yeah um but yeah. It's, it's forever and you don't have time is kind of the point while you're doing this raid on the vermilion waste trying to get a hold of this computer um, right or right, server. Right, right um um and so it's it's really presented almost more of like a you know set piece type of an experience um mm. with a ton of you know really crazy stuff going on um which is neat it's 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 kind of shakes things up uh it it really feels like nothing else in the game as far as that goes um which kind of you know makes it stand out i so i i i think that was the right call as far as making it memorable mm-hmm. um cuz it definitely is it doesn't feel like anything else you end up doing anywhere else because of the amount of just cheating on all sides going on like this is <laughs> um, yeah that that yeah it's it's really humorous for that point it's it's um, it's entertaining yeah. the other thing i wanted to point out though is i really like some of the puzzles and how different they are like it is the culmination of a lot of what you've learned and e- yeah there are even some hints of it if you go do some of the side content as well but some of like some of the puzzles especially the very last puzzle is really cool and unique that last puzzle was a lot of fun to figure out yeah it, it's like it's the most intensive puzzle like it's, it's not per se hard but like it is long it's it's one room but basically four screens like you you can't fit the whole thing on your screen at once at least four mm. screens if not six while you're kind of traveling between them and right, there's there's right. an amount of 
okay, all right, I, I, I've got to do this. Like, and it, it's, it's not the hardest thing to figure out what you're trying to do. Hmm. There are some other puzzles where it's figuring out what you're trying to do is is hard. It's pretty obvious right off the bat. Like they put the start and end point right next to each other. Like you've got to get this thing here. How are you going to do that? And it is so ridiculously overly just like Rube Goldberg overcomplicated of a mess in order to get, you know, one thing to something right, right next to it. Um, that you then have to like reverse engineer. Mm. How, how am I going to accomplish this? Yeah. Um, yeah. There's, there's so many like little things you have to consider. And at the end of the day, it's not like, it's not as complex as some of the other puzzles. Cause some of those puzzles get brutally complex, yeah. but it's just like, the, like it's more about keeping track of all the sequencing that's happening. Yes. Which is there's exactly so what much you're going saying. on and it's like, you're, you're like snaking you're all the way around this room and then you have to reuse certain aspects of it whenever states change. Like, okay, I, this I'm I'm going to use this one mirror pillar thing to bounce something off of it, and then I've got to use it for a completely different thing mm. later on. And so, getting everything yep. set, and then it's it's like I said, Rube Goldberg, but it it requires constant attention the entire way along the line in order to get things to time correctly. So, mm. so every, every, you know, piece is in the right, you know, alignment whenever it gets to it. There's mm-hmm. so much going on. Um, there is. And t- timing is a big thing. Like I, I, I've talked about this on the chomp cast, um, the main podcast we do. Some of those puzzles were just too fast for me. So I had no problems with turning the speed down on some of them just because yeah. I, I wanted to enjoy the game. <laughs> but like I couldn't imagine doing this final puzzle without like the speed turned down, like the precise it's, movements you have to have. Yeah, no, it's it's pretty exacting. Um especially because like you we didn't really talk about it much, but you've got different elements you switch between that all affect enemies in certain ways, but then mm. also have their own puzzle solving aspects. Like, okay, I like I need to freeze this puddle here, I need to all right, right after that, I, I bounce it off the direction I want, but now it's in the way. Once it bounces around this other thing, I, all right, so now I need to melt the, the pillar again in order to get... There's, it is, there is so many plates to spin in this one puzzle mm. um, that, yeah, you've got to be on top of it for an extended period of time and just in order to do a single sequence of, right. you know... a puzzle it's 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 nuts exactly yeah i i love that i love that dungeon a lot it's very memorable for me granted Mm -hmm. i just recently did it but it's it's a great dungeon um but the second and more important thing which is obviously a lot more to do with the the story itself what did you think of gotham choosing to commit suicide after he was defeated um Again, I felt like there's you just you don't know the character very well. It feels like you know a lot of people who know him well, but it's it's you mostly know him as the blue avatar, which is just this dorky 
over the top, you know, GM type character. Uh, yeah. Who's, you know, there's not much to latch on to there as far as that goes. Um, right. And again, you, you've got the context of who he is to these other people, but it's still. You you don't remember a lot of memories with him. It's not, mm. and you should have more considering at that point you've got your memories back. But we're not shown them, and I I think that's probably in order to make sure that the scene isn't too much, because mm. you know. It it could be, I mean, granted, it's 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 still a lot, considering, but it could be a lot harder to deal with if you know, you were given that context, like I was saying earlier on. It, it might be just to give you a little bit more distance. The the reason mm. that they kind of kept that space, um, yeah, kind of you know, didn't really fill that out. Yeah, like, you have a really good point, because at first I was like, man, did that part not resonate with me near as much as I think that the developers wanted it to? I kind of was just like, huh. But then the more I've thought about it, and the more, like, this discussion has even helped out with this, is I don't think that moment is for us. I think it's for um, Sergei and Shizuka and Satoshi, and it's more about... Like like I said, because we are the Evotar, Leah, we're playing as her, we're not these other characters who directly mm-hmm. have been involved with this. It's more about how do we, as a bystander, who is tangentially affected by this, what is our reaction to this? Like, what yeah. is our reaction to these people who have just undergone this process? And it's less yeah. about... It's like that's that's not the the thing we care about at the end of the day. I mean, like, yes, it's very sad that Gotham commits suicide, and it's sad that he felt pressure to participate in this this uh, this occurrence of events that he at first wasn't aware of. It sucks yeah. that they just lost one of their best friends and their their working partner, a guy who's by all accounts a genius. Uh, an unstable genius, but a genius nonetheless. It's more about like, okay, what's going to happen with Leah and the rest of the Evo Tars now? What's going to happen with this project? Yeah. Like that's the thing at the end of the day that we truly do care about. Um, yeah, and, but but like we also care in some ways how um, Sergey feels, how Satoshi and uh, Shizuka feel, and that's not while that's not the main. Uh, thing we care about as the players, we care about those characters um, in some way. Yeah. So it doesn't hit us as hard. And I think that was intentional. Yeah, I feel like you... It's interesting because you've been trying to solve this mystery the whole time. Hmm. Get your memories back, find out what's going on with Satoshi. And then you kind of get past the Vermilion Wastes parts and... uh it's interesting. You finally understand you, the mystery has been solved, but then you're kind of left with these other much more, you know, just bigger existential problems at this point. Right. 
Uh, right. And the main story kind of turns into a side story. Um, mm. It's not your story anymore. Like, there's there's still a lot going on. It's still a big part of the world, but that's not your story anymore uh, because it feels like you kind of have that distinction of, okay, now I am Lee. This is my life that I'm living basically just in this game. Um, yeah. And it feels like your concerns aren't directly connected, you know, to, to, to that mystery anymore. Those, those are other people. Um, I, th- I think you put it so well. It's like, and I think that dri- it really drives that point home. Leah and Shizuka are two separate individuals. Yeah. It, it speaks to the sentient life that has become Leah. And this point, real, like this, this moment really drives that home. Shizuka is very obviously impacted by this. Satoshi, mm-hmm. if it was he, him and not the Evotar, though the Evotar is still impacted by it in some ways, is affected by it. Mm-hmm. In, again, in some ways. Um, probably yeah. similar to Leah in, in some ways as well. Um, Sergei is obviously very drastically impacted by it as well. But Leah is not Shizuka. And she is not, like you have said, wasn't there when they were working on this project. So it's not really her story. And so this point where it's like, it feels weird that like we should care more that this guy is committing suicide and it sucks that someone's dying, but that emotional impact isn't quite there. And that's because they are two separate lives. And that is like, like what we were talking about earlier where Gotham doesn't feel like a character that resonates with us as much. Had he resonated with us much more, that point of Shizuka and Leah being two different lives, two different people, that would have blurred together at that point. Yeah, yeah. And I, I again, like I, I feel like they do a pretty good job finally making that distinction kind of after, a- after the mystery is solved. Um, um, and they they give you a little bit of time after that because oh, you, you had other stuff you were doing with your guild, more more mm. exploring to go do. You you do a little bit more, and we we kind of didn't really talk about it. But before all this goes down, you get to what's supposed to be the last dungeon, but the patch hasn't dropped yet that has that has the last dungeon in it. Um, right. Um. So you're you know, in 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 the in game, in in cross worlds, uh, mm. which is kind of really drives that point home i think um is is you know the feeling of this game being a real place that that's where i've lived my life basically um anyway um yeah yeah it's Man, yeah. Now that we're talking about it and like actually th- this is part of the reason why I actually I love doing this show so much is like once when, when you have someone to talk through it with, you kind of re- like you come to realizations about stuff and like it makes so much more sense now that you and I have talked it out. Like why? Like because like when when Gotham, like I said, when Gotham commits suicide in the game, I was like, "Eh, that sucks." <laughs> <laughs> that was, yeah, that was about yeah. The, the extent of my reaction. Like, well, yes, yeah, no, I, I think died, that's but, right. And if you're, 
Yes. And the, if you have that reaction in almost any other piece of media, it'd be like, wow, something went very wrong here. Um, yeah. But there, there are reasons why that can work. And again, mm. the, you might not read it that way, but um, I don't know. At least personally, it kind of... At least that's the way I, I looked at it, but... Um, mm. Yeah, it is. Yeah, I, it, like, it's it's also speaks to the medium as a whole. Imagine someone trying to tell this this kind of story in a movie. Like a book, maybe. A book might be able to handle this. A book probably yeah, could something handle. with a lot more internal monologue. Yeah. Yeah, yeah like, I, I don't think a TV show or a movie could quite do it justice. Like, yeah. Yeah, the way they handled that, brilliant. Gave me more, like this conversation gave me more appreciation for the game than I already had. So, well, before we uh, suck any more of the narrative's dick, let's get into the, let's get into the final bit of um, the show. So this is uh, the mad dash to the end, even though we're quote unquote at the end. Um, I'm going to run through the the two endings that the game has, and then we'll reflect on the game. Having secured the Evotar's data or data. Uh, Leah spends some time with her friends going through the Crossworld's world before she is logged out of the game while Sergei attempts to convince the executives of Instatainment to allow the Evatars to keep existing inside of Crossworlds. The game then ends with two possible outcomes. In the normal ending, Leah's friends are informed by Sergei that Instatainment refused his proposal and confiscated all Evatar data. Thus, they will never see Leah again. Now, this is, I say normal, this is probably the bad ending, um, as a lot of people would obviously and rightfully consider it. But um, the true ending is only achieved after Leah befriends an Instatainment stockholder in the game right before the Vermilion Wasteland raid and showdown. If you manage to talk to this executive, or the stockholder, whatever you want to call him, Sergei's proposal is accepted by Instatainment and will allow Leah and other Evotars to eventually return to the game. And that's pretty much how the game ends. You see one final, uh, and this is not including the DLC. We're not, I should have mentioned that at the beginning of the show. I forgot to mention yeah. that. We're not going to talk about DLC. Um, we might do that. We're probably going to do that in a in a ca- another CAD. Um, probably enough this... for it. <laughs> Just right, for the exactly. DLC. Exactly. But there is a like post credit scene where we see Ctron return to the world, and he's actually hanging out in uh, Vermilion Wasteland, and um, it's unclear if that's really him or if that's. A uh, Evotar. It's it, and up until this point, it's left a mystery. Um, what happened to him? But Josh, um, obviously you've been playing the DLC, so you probably have answers at this point. Yeah, but, that that should be fun to get into when we when we talk about the yeah. DLC. Yeah, but um, considering that, before you played the DLC, what did you think happened to Citron in the real world to cause him to log out before the final conflict? Frankly, I didn't give it a ton of thought because there had already been situations 
already with people like, oh, I've got exams. I'm I'm not, I'm going to be gone for a while. So it didn't seem mm. like a huge thing. But right. after the DLC, it seems like they, you know, there was more going on with that. Um, mm. they, we'll, we'll, we'll get into at some point. Um, kind of one thing to note here, uh, because the game was out in early access for quite a while. They didn't have either of the endings for for a little while while they were, you know, doing most of the testing. And most of these both these endings are like very short, kind of you know, quick narrative wrap up of what's going on right after after the events of the game. Mm. Uh, with with the difference being in the good ending, since you're allowed to stay there, you're able to log back into the game and keep playing. Um, mm. kind of an epilogue thing, talk to people again and, and do extra, you know, quests and exploration stuff. And there's like a, a battle arena and all this, all this extra epilogue stuff that, uh, uh, neither of the endings were there. Um, oh, okay. Interesting. In, until the game came out. Um, and it was just, uh, well, you, you know, there's like a save area where you're, essentially in in that section where you're logged out and the story is happening while you're while you're logged out waiting to find out what what happens at the very end right um they give you like one spot to save there um mm. as as you go but anyway th- those were both added whenever the game hit 1.0 um and you could finally see the ending to the story um not that that matters for anyone who's playing it at this point, but just kind of a why it feels very much like, oh man, the story just kind of hangs there, and and it, that was that was kind of kind of mirrored how we all were if we were playing, you know, the early access version of this game right, while it was being right. ma- built. Um, but anyway, I just more more trivia than anything that i thought was yeah yeah but it's it's so cool Um, to hear that yeah yeah i like for for me when i heard that with citron i thought that like because he was he's a student presumably in this um college student i thought he had like gotten kicked out or something like that of college Mm. you know that's kind of what i thought like it's not like a major development or like a family member died something like that um I'm going to be curious, like, when I get into the DLC to find out what exactly it is. Because at this point, you know, I don't know. Yeah, there's a ton to see in the in the DLC, kind of wrapping up a lot of things that were left open uh, cool. from the game. Not, not that any of them were, you know, gaping plot holes or anything, but there's... Hmm. The story does wrap up fairly quickly. Like, all, all the major plot points were, were over, and you kind of... In in the other, in the good ending, you kind of, oh, I'm still living in this game and 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 whatnot. Um, yeah, continue to, to go off into the sunset. It's kind of that's sort of an ending, like you know, right? Not any real conclusions other than and and everyone kept doing what they were doing, sort of right. a thing. Um, and you you get a lot more concrete. <laughs> Well, what what is all that stuff that they kept doing what they were doing? Um, and it, it's 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 pretty good. Um, yeah, that should be fun to talk oh. about. Yeah, definitely. 
Um, I love how the story explores the concept of AI sentience and the implications for the future, um, which is something we've talked about a lot in this episode. What is your take on AI sentience as of now? Um, Obviously, we don't have to get too far in the weeds or anything like that, but yeah. just like some general thoughts on it and whatnot. Hmm. I know. I, I it's it's like <laughs> I I don't know that we're going to recognize it when we see it. Is kind of my biggest thing there as as far as that goes because we're great at making excuses for ourselves as a species. Mm. Um, there's an awful lot that goes on with other species already. That is seems very intelligent, very intelligent, not in a way that can really communicate with us mm. the way we're used to. Right. And that's enough of a write-off for us to just not care. And I know a lot of people mm. instantly went, see, that's why I'm a vegan. But then also, trees, man, it seems like they kind of know what the fuck's going on with, you know, communicating to each other and and whatnot. Like, it's if it doesn't look like us, it's hard for us to see humanity in it and obviously mm. i'm using humanity not as you know like our species but like the sentience like yeah, any, any sort of with worth yeah. yeah um and so like obviously there's the sci-fi oh we're all terrified of it stuff from media that we've got here but as far as i don't think we'll recognize it when we see it is kind of my my initial thought as mm. far as that goes um do you do you think that like so for me one of the things I worry about is my take on it is it is a little bit fearful. I mean we've had a lot of media depicting it in various ways. I mean you could look at Terminator, you could look mm-hmm. at uh you could look at her, the movie. Um and that's that's not as like super terrifying, more as yeah. like emotionally terrifying and mentally <laughs> scarring. Yeah. Um there, there are so many representations of AI in a negative way, and this is one of the reasons why I, I've always loved Star Trek is because they they look at it from multiple angles, and that is like yeah. one of the few representations that I, I I can think of that explores AI in such a diverse yeah. and positive and negative way. But um, and, my, and my biggest concern hmm. is like if if humans are around long enough and they, like you said, are able to notice the sentience of AI, we look at the history of humanity almost positive until that AI becomes capable and formidable enough that we would exploit it to the point of turning it formidable against us. You know, like... Yeah. Um, and I don't want to think that way, but you look no, at our I history. No, I mean, I think... And again, a lot of this is just the way media shows it because it's it is reflections of us. Hmm. Um, and I think one of the reasons data is such a good example of that is because we fixed our shit before data comes around. Um, right. You know, just living in a socialist utopia by the time that hmm. story is being told. Um, other plus side to this, well, not plus side, but kind of talking about things we've already talked about before 
Um, is data is meant to look like a human. Like, obviously, mm. he's not identical because the whole doesn't have emotions thing. Right. Like, which is a whole running plot line through that of, like, right. what does it mean to be a human without emotions? But then mm. again, that's not even unique as far as that is concerned, considering we've had Vulcans around for forever in that universe, which, mm. you know, um, I don't know. It's interesting. But again... I, I think kind of comes back to that. Can we see ourselves in it is, is a, is a huge question to whether or not we'll take something seriously. Um, uh, yeah. And I, I think it almost extends beyond that in a way to do we have to see humanity in it in order for us to not be afraid of it and accept it, you know, like, yeah, yeah. Because like you, you, you look at so, so many things in 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 our world and we we are we are one of the most curious living things on planet earth but we are also incredibly fearful of everything we don't know and obviously that makes sense Sur- survival um instincts through millennia and yeah generation upon generation of any living creature has that instinct within it but if we if we see ai and it's like non-threatening, quote unquote. Are we going to be able to accept that AI as sentient if it doesn't display humanity within it? You know, and mm-hmm. as AI becomes more advanced, and maybe that sentience takes on other forms, that that will make us feel fearful. And in order for us to kind of accept that, we have to see that it resembles more and more of humanity. So in the case of data, um, if, if, if data looked like a fucking trash monster, but he was sentient, would, would the, would yeah, yeah. Starfleet have accepted him? Or, you know, if Leah didn't look exactly like Shizuka, she looked like, like a ball of energy. Would mm-hmm. the, would the, the players in cross worlds have accepted her? And, it's it i think that in order for humanity to accept ai sentience if we ever reach that point that it is going to have to look like humanity and it's going to have to have a good amount of humanity within it in order to be accepted yeah yeah exactly exactly i i, I think that's kind of really our our big shortcoming cuz frankly we don't see humanity in other humans a good 80% of the fucking time because we're such right? a broken goddamn mess. But Dude, yeah, it's like yeah. when there's a road rage incident with you and another person yeah. and it's, it's easy to do this, but sometimes you see it as this asshole, not yeah. this person whose child may be very sick and mm-hmm. they're stressed and, and it's, it's hard to see it yep. as that or other things. Obviously there, there are, selfish people that exist out there and there are people who do really bad things obviously but we, it's hard to see them as humans yeah at, in the same stretch yeah i didn't mean to co-opt your point i apologize no no that, no that's yeah that's kind of what i was saying just kind of kept going with it there's there's a lot to talk <laughs> about there there is there is i mean like that that's the thing we don't do often is like we don't or often enough is like we take these video games 
and they have these deep topics um or we or we just don't get as much of an opportunity as as often as i'd like but yeah taking these topics that the games explore and then just expanding upon them as much as we are right now like this is a type of stuff that i love like and we <laughs> you and i have talked about this many times over the past 6 years is that my my favorite courses in college were always like we'd read a book and we'd expand upon these ideas over weeks like these kinds of ideas and this game really does uh crosscode does a really good job of exploring these topics that we're going to be faced with yeah quite really. possibly here in the next 5 10 20 years mm-hmm. and um it's something that's relevant right this second and it's going to be relevant 5 10 20 years from now that's why this story is so good and the way it's told as well yeah and again kind of going back to that we need to see ourselves in it thing i i think huge reason why it lands here is because the writing is so good the the characters in this game feel real um Mm. and so just just that is enough to kind of help you suspend disbelief and take the rest of the story seriously and and actually think about the ramifications of of what's happening in in this world um Mm. Yeah, I, I, I really, I, I think this could have, the story they were trying to tell could have been really flat if not executed the way they did. They, yeah. Yeah. It, it was so, like, that's what's so brilliant about this game is the pacing could have been off so easily. Mm-hmm. It could have been so easy to fuck up the pacing of this game. Trying to, you're creating an action RPG game and inside of the game, you are imitating an MMORPG. <laughs> yeah. Like, like you think about that. Granted, like, yes, they're both RPGs, and yes, MMOs have action within them. But to create a quote-unquote game within the game, um, narratively, and for the pacing to be as yeah. good as it is, you know, is insane. There are so many topics to go on here. I, I, w- I want to come circle back around to one. Yeah, absolutely. Please. The, the guild, and again, it's, it's reinforcing the same point. The guild you join, um, the First Scholars? Yeah, First Scholars are a guild, and this is kind of a big thing in, in any other guild. Like, what, what what's your guild about? Are you hardcore raiders? Are you, you know, you, you screw around on the weekends type? Like, what, what guild are you? The First Scholars, as you may have gotten from the name, are people who are really into the lore of this game. And we're mm. like, we're going to find every little tidbit we can about this world. And, you know, kind of, they, they aren't strict role players like you might find in some other guild, uh, but they are invested in the story. They are invested in finding out, you know, all the little intricacies to mm. this imaginary world. Um, and I think that kind of puts you in a good frame of mind for the, the rest of the story going on in this game um by kind of surrounding you by other people who kind of are fine suspending disbelief in order to really get involved in a story right Um, i i I love that 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 happens too because there are multiple guilds you don't meet too many of the guilds but you meet a few of the guilds in the game mm -hmm. there's like one side mission uh 
segment that you do with another guild where basically their whole shtick is that when somebody gets in trouble in the game, they come to the rescue. I think yeah. they're called the last minute heroes or something like that. Guild. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like I anybody really gets in over that. their heads, we're going to come and keep them from wiping. Yes. And there's a really funny line with with those guys that um i won't spoil here like that is one of the things i won't spoil because it's it's really great it's like a small reveal um that's really fun but it makes the world feel so lived in and it just Mm -hmm. yeah it's so good like those those moments are and that writing the like the care that the the writers took into writing those small side plot lines that are very contained but well written. Yeah, absolutely. And the the guild is the guilds are a personification of that writing. Mm-hmm. Um Josh, who was your favorite character in the game and why? Oh. Uh, <laughs> I mean I, I I love Emily. She's 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 just perfect. Um Emily's just your so your, awesome. your bubbly friend who loves talking to you all the time and does enough talking for the both of you and probably two or three others. Um, mm. it's, it's just a great fit because, you know, obviously Lee can't talk much like slowly throughout the game. You're able to get another word here or there. So you can kind of communicate some, but you know, not have not hold these huge conversations, but she's just, she's happy just having you around and talking to you. Um, and it's, it's such a great dynamic for, for a friendship you make along the way. Um, so good, so good. Everybody um, needs an Emily in their life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's a great choice. Emily is definitely up there for me. I like. I'd have to say Apollo, and Apollo Apollo's isn't pretty a, funny too. Apollo isn't a guy we didn't we really talked about in this podcast. Apollo is a character. Um, his class, <laughs> which is a spheromancer, is the same class as Leah. And mm-hmm. he thinks Leah is cheating from the beginning of the game, so he starts challenging her to uh, PvP battles. And there yeah. are three, like, you have three battles with him, and presumably you kick his ass every time. Um, or not, because they are hard fights in this game. They are hard fights. They're, they're some they, of the harder fights in this game. Um, yeah, they, they, Lower stakes, because it's just a PvP match, and if you lose, well, you go on to the next round. But yeah. Very hard fights, as far they as the are. game's concerned. The, some of the some of the rounds piss me off a lot with it. <laughs> this, but the thing is, um, Apollo starts rolling around with this guy named uh, Jorn or Yorn. I don't know if it's. I'm pronounced. not sure. I don't know what language that name is from. I didn't recognize that one. Right, and he's the level-handed friend to Apollo. Um, yeah. And after you do the three PvP battles with him. Um, there's a narrative reason, um, which is escaping me right now, why they basically end up teaming up together. I think it's, it's when she it's, comes back. It's after the Vermilion Wastes and everyone's mad at her right. for all of that, that you end up teaming that's up right. with those two, even though they've kind of the, been, you know, these other side characters who you've just kind of been leveling, you know, adjacent to them the whole yes. time. But, you know, they, they right. see you alone after all this point and they're like, okay, yeah. so, something's going on there. We, she's normally not, you know, this much of a loner and try to figure right. out what's she's going usually, on. Yeah, she's usually, like, driven. And the thing that I love, and this, again, speaks to the quality of the writing and the character development, is it's very easy to think, like, Apollo is going to be Gary 
to red in um pokemon you know for example mm-hmm. um but at that point after you've battled him the three times and she comes back for the vermilion wastelands you see a different side of apollo which yeah. um you didn't know you wanted and like he's like He's still this guy who's about justice, and he's he's a flair he has a flair for the dramatic. Yeah, he's very much written as like an RPer in another MMO, yes. like someone who gets yes. really into the character they're playing. Um, yes, he he's really over the top, and like you sometimes need those people whether you're playing D and D or an MMO. Mm-hmm. But what happens, and this is why the game's writing is so good, is then the actual humanity behind the avatar starts showing, where he's like. Well, yeah, when you're just grinding quests together instead of you yes. know an, a one-off encounter here and there, when it's a whole lot easier, like oh, I I, I can be this character for five minutes here, no problem. But instead of yes. trying to keep that up all the time, right? Exactly. And so, like when when Jorn and Apollo see Leah downtrodden, they're like, all right, well, you can roll with us. And mm-hmm. the 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 cool part is you start to see the cool sides of Apollo where he's like, of course we're yeah. going to win. We're two spheromancers. Why wouldn't we win? And, like, <laughs> he starts cheering, and he's, like, he's, like, like becomes a friend of yeah. um, Leah. And it was a character that I thought I wasn't going to like throughout the whole game, you know, obviously because narratively you're not supposed to like him at one point. Yeah, but then I yeah. was like, I really want to use this character. And I, st- like... Yeah, I started using him because he becomes a playable character later in the game as someone you can call up. It doesn't just yeah, become yeah. After that, Italian. after that section where you're like, you have to party up. He becomes one of the people you can call and be like, oh hey, you want to, do you want to quest together for a while? Um, yeah, just add it to your contacts list so you can. Yeah, it's it. Yeah, they did it. Kind of the the writing in this game is so ridiculously good that they can make a character like that, who would just be obnoxious in yeah. so many other games and and yeah. just just leave it at that oh he's the obnoxious character like there's there's more to that character in this game than just you, just a, a single cliche you know what's gonna grind my gears as an aside is if the next uh the the second final fantasy 7 remake game comes out and they do that with roach <laughs> i hope they there's more to that like... character because Frankly, a lot of the characters in Seven are kind of built around a single characteristic. That's a, they that's are. just period. Like that—that that yeah. was how it was originally. I know a lot of people aren't going to want to hear that, but that's kind of the way it was. But it was enough at the time. And frankly, mm. that game was much more vague in general. Kind of that, right. that was that was in the old school Final Fantasy. Seven is a weird in a weird place between the pixel art Final Fantasies and the new ones, where everything is much more spelled out. Right, and se- seven kind of left a lot more room for you to imagine things. Mm. Um, mm. And granted, all that was fleshed out after the fact with the you know other forty five games in the series uh, after <laughs> the fact. But yeah, I'm kind of worried about Roach, like you said, because he is so far just an annoying character. Um, he's an like uh, yeah an annoying douchebag of a character and like he kind of like they're not similar in their demeanor but they're similar in their purpose um that's the only reason why I early on Roach so, in this yeah, conversation yeah, yeah and no. because of the expert right writing apollo became a very likable character became one of my favorite characters in the game um yeah. and so i i just 
because the, I have a history on this uh, of of Sword Chomp of ripping on that character ever since that game dropped that I would laugh my ass off if they yeah. made him likable somehow. But I mean, it's possible. Uh, They've done similar things, especially in uh, like Crisis Core, because, mm. you know, you're playing, still working for Shinra in that, and a lot of the villains in that game were much more over-the-top kind of one-note characters is what they mm. seemed like in 7. And then Crisis Core kind of takes that idea of, like, every, everyone's just a big, dumb character and then flushes them out and kind of gives them a whole lot more going on beneath the surface. So I, I kind of hope they're going to do something similar with Roach, maybe, mm. or just yeah. drop them. Either, either way, but I feel like I feel like they've done it before to kind of you know do a similar idea yeah we'll see we'll see i'm not gonna hold my breath (laughs) (laughs) um what so granted now you're playing through the dlc and i'm sure you don't know exactly how it ends maybe you do i'm not sure but yeah do you know no no i'm i'm having a ton of fun with all the extra side quests and everything they've added in so i'm i'm doing everything i'm I'm currently yeah, working on a big puzzle that i've been talking about for a while that Good. they've been hinting at pieces of it for a while and I've, i think i finally collected all the pieces i just have to put it together now so i've, I've okay. got all my notes okay. and i'm in the process of tracking that down <laughs> okay well that being said without you know exactly what's happens with the dlc at this point that we're having this conversation would you want a sequel of this game I think it kind of depends what they wrap up here. Um, Cause again, I, I'm, I'm, I'm not finished yet. Mm. Um, offhand. Yes. Just because I really like at this point, Lee as a character on her, on her own terms, kind of having gone through a, a lot with these other characters, I think it would be interesting MMOs don't stay around forever. Obviously, this is kind of built on a planet, so I don't. As far as like, it's probably not worth decommissioning a game as far as that goes. But like, oh man, this is just not the style anymore. What happens if they decide to build a different MMO on this planet or something? I think or there's room I... to kind of see, mm. you know, just more of yeah. this character in it, maybe in a different game or whatever. Or like, there's what? there's a ton what? of room to go to with oh ai exists now what what do we do with that um it could be anything literally anything yeah, from this point like, on like she's like we could get at some time in the future when she really is like close with her guild members a guild member dies how does she handle that like now death is like actually impacting her or what yeah. happens when emily and citron the people the actual people themselves move on from the game because they have families and they don't mm-hmm. have time for the games anymore. Like what happens to Yeah, uh, yeah, there's Leah. so many so many just other big questions associated with everything going on in this game. So, yeah. Yeah, what happens what happens if there uh, there's a nuclear crisis? <laughs> what happens? <laughs> uh, no, but um yeah, there there are so many angles they could take with this with this game, and they could still keep that AI sentience at the forefront of it. Like, there's yeah, yeah. Obviously, the the first one was was a huge undertaking, and it happened over the span of 
seven eight years and i know like you told me um before the show that they're working on their next game yeah which does um, not seem to be a sequel very much the same combat style and kind of general vibe vibe it seems like they're doing an awful lot with that similar really vertical but still top down type level design which is hmm. just excellent in this game yes um yes just making you really consider the environments you're in um mm. so they're, they're doing something similar but it doesn't seem like it's the same universe at all at least from everything they've shown so far okay it's hard to say um because again they're they're going from pixel art to you know like a, a 3d rendering yeah 3d rendering so maybe it just looks different enough that it's hard to say, but I don't, I don't right. think it's a sequel from everything they've shown so far, unless I've missed some, you know, dev updates or anything where they've talked about it explicitly, but mm. not that I've seen. I'm, okay. There's a ton to well, keep up on, though. Yes, yeah, true. I hope that there's a sequel. I, I mean, depending on how the DLC ends, um, I, will, I will say that. But even if the DLC, how it ends, I, I have a feeling that they could... There's a lot more to mine out of this story in this world. Um, I feel like we just scratched the surface. I mean, you even look at the map, and you're going to all these places on the map. Mm-hmm. Like, there's all that space in between of places seemingly you're not going to that they yeah. can explore. Yeah, which, again, is kind of explained by the whole, you're you're on this planet, but you can only really go where they've decided to build the MMO in it, because hmm. otherwise, you know, there wouldn't be anything there to actually run the game. Right. You're, anyway, um, yeah. there's a lot going on there that's not really <laughs> too much to get into. Just that's just just lore for how how this game works. Um, yeah, it, yeah. Not not really. There's story, just so much to explore but... in the game. Mm-hmm. Like like there's stuff. Like what I love about it is like they answer many of the questions, but they leave so much unexplored, making you want more. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh yeah. Well, the last question we're going to ask Josh. You know it. I know it uh people who have listened to this podcast before know it but for those of you who don't know and this is your first time checking this episode out or this podcast out rather um we asked this very simple question at the end of the show um would you recommend this and it's it's our quote-unquote ranking system and it's obvious usually we pick things that we would recommend but there have definitely and certainly been times where one or some or even all of us watch something uh read something play something where we say no i wouldn't recommend this or i would recommend this under very specific conditions yeah um so that being said that disclaimer out of the way (laughs) josh um i'll like i'll ask you the question obviously feel free to take a few sentences to kind of summarize your final thoughts on it at this time would you recommend this game Yes, I, I think I would recommend this to basically anybody at this point. Um, provided um, you really want to get into a big narrative world, because this is this is a fairly deep game. Um, like time wise, what they're going to ask of you to get the most out of this. Uh, you don't have to do every side quest to really kind of experience the world, but given the story they're telling, it really kind of 
feels like you would in a lot of ways. Like, it's it's the sort of story that doesn't feel like the side quests are just this completely optional thing. Um, mm. They are in a lot of senses, but also, like, thematically it feels like the sort of things you do, and... You're, it's 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 an investment. Like this is this is kind of all uh, something like Persona. If if you don't have some time to put aside uh, to this, um, you know it, it might just kind of chew you up and spit you out. Um, however, kind of like we said of before, environmental puzzles. Yes. Um, however, they have made it easier to do that with some of the features that weren't in there initially to either make the combat or puzzles easier mm. um, in order to make sure you don't just get stuck, which was a definite possibility uh, at launch. Um, yeah. Which is helpful. And, and also, kind of like we've said before, the way the game's paced, there are spots where you can take an extended break if you want to get something else in and then come back to the world. Um, so it's not something you kind of need to do all in one sitting. Um, if you, if you want to take your time with it, this is the sort of game that could be a very slow burn. Just kind of like, like a regular MMO, like something that you play once a week. Yeah. Like while you're doing other things, but get back around to it. Um, whenever you're in the mood sort of a thing. Um, but yeah, there, there, it's a lot of game here, and it it does ask a lot from you. <laughs> kind of, I mean, like, like you should know at this point after hearing all eight hours of this podcast explaining <laughs> half the story. Um, yeah, we got, we got a good chunk of the story. Yeah, yeah. Um, th- there, there's a lot going on here. Yes, and um, I, I wanted to add one point to yours is that you said that a lot of the side missions and whatnot don't feel <clears throat> obligatory, but because of the nature of the way the story is being told, it's almost like you, you don't want to miss them. I would say mm-hmm. like the only side content that I felt like I absolutely had to do, uh, or no, sorry, not absolutely had to do that. I like what truly was completely optional yeah. was um, getting all the, the chests in an area. And that's if, like, if you're really enjoying the platforming and the puzzle solving, that's for those people who really enjoy that, that want to seek out that challenge. Yeah, I I was talking more of, like, like the actual quests, quests, as as listed. Uh, The the chests and a lot of other hidden quests are fun. I still think they're really good, but I don't think they're... um, Obligatory. There's not as much world building hidden in them, for the most part. that's kind of what I was like going towards. I was going to yeah. say that and maybe like getting the equipment you really want. Um, yeah, a lot of that's tied to the, ch- the to the chests as well. Um because yes. some of those chests are extremely difficult to figure out your your path to get to and then also have mm-hmm. they're like the only place to get certain materials right. to craft right. the equipment you want. Um, right. But other than that like even some of the hidden quests I think are valuable in the world building oh, themselves. Yeah. There, yeah. There's like a, in, oh, fuck, I can't remember which map it is. There's a hidden 
uh, dungeon you can do. And it's there. I think there are a few hidden dungeons, actually. I think there are two of them. But there's one that's kind of hidden in this water area. And it's a very small dungeon. But the, the cool thing is, like, you feel like you're finding something that not a lot of players have found, like, in yeah. the MMO. Not in, like, real world, but in the MMO. Um, yeah, yeah. And it's it's cool that, like, you find it and you're like, oh, this is like this mysterious dungeon that has been lost to time and I'm going to go explore it. And it's it's cool. It, like, it allows you to build your own, like, kind of a emergent narrative within this world. And it's a lot of fun. Yeah. But, uh, quite simply, yeah, I recommend this game. 100%. Like Josh said, <laughs> recommend it to anybody. Um, yeah, game, yeah, especially now game... that they added those accessibility features in there. Exactly. Anybody. Um, exactly. Like, like to to keep it simple, uh, the gameplay is so fucking tight and it's so fun. Oh, it yeah. can be brutal at times, but as Josh just said, there there is accessibility or there are accessibility options um, that make it easier to play and make it more manageable uh, there's a ton of content here as you can tell not just only with narrative but everything else we we didn't even talk about the sheer amount of content that is in this game and the quirky fun side missions that you can get lost and all the references oh, yeah. uh for that, example that's like, another yeah the references i think is one of the things that makes it feel more like an mmo because that's that's a common thing in mmos because you know people are gonna be playing this for who knows what reason like maybe because they're really into the story maybe because they want to play with a certain friend but because mm. of that references are next to ubiquitous in mmos right. you know some of which depending on the genre are more overt than others like wow had a very overt ones final fantasy has them but usually they're like a little joke here or there um mm. but yeah they they have fun stuff like that like one of the uh, I can't remember what they're called, but basically the headquarters in each town for like the the big the, the big story hubs that are like, like a pokey center or whatever. Like mm. there's there's stuff going on here. One of them, uh, there's a room upstairs with with an art instructor teaching different players how to, you know, paint, and it, right. he's he's just Bob Ross. <laughs> I love that. Yeah, there there are those things in this game, like um, the like one of the first bosses you have to fight is like a like a a hedge hag on crack, essentially, or on yeah. steroids rather. And basically, when you defeat him, you get a chili dog and a golden <laughs> ring and a golden <laughs> ring. Yeah. I loved yeah. that. Yeah, um, uh, they've got a bunch of little things like that. Um, hmm. It's like minor ones kind of built an item item drops and stuff like that that are yeah. just so funny um, or you can hear like npcs or even the players in the game talking and they're having conversations that you can overhear and they're definitely making references to to other stuff things you know yeah. yeah yeah um yeah it's great it's great mm -hmm. the world just the world feels so lived in it's so fleshed out there is so much to explore and when you finish the game you want more like that's the thing is um i want more i want more cross code and so mm -hmm. i'm definitely going to play the dlc and i guarantee you when i'm done with the dlc i'm going to want more cross code um <laughs> right there there's so much to love about this game so uh 
I recommend playing it on Switch. I had a blast playing it on Switch. The controls were great. Um, it was a nice, it was a nice way to play it because obviously I was traveling from Japan to the U.S. and back. That I was able to play it, and then when I had to stop, I could put it away for a little bit, and then yeah. come back and pick it right back up, and no problems. Um, yeah, yeah. Frankly, the for for different reasons, but in a similar vein, it mm. runs about that same way, just as smoothly and everything on PC, because mm. like I, like I mentioned, I'm pretty sure it was in this, and I don't think it was in a different episode, but anyway, the game is in. Is, was built in HTML5, like it just it just runs on a browser basically, uh, and because of that, it is super easy to tab in, in and out of the game, just instantly, just like you're mm. using any other absolutely zero resource app that you're on, uh, which allows you to just real quick pause, tab over to something else if you're you know on the computer. Like, okay, right. I need to check email real quick. And then I'll head back to what I was doing. Just kind of explore around, maybe get another fight or whatever. Like, it it feels very breezy just just playing the game. When when yeah. you're doing just, you know, the, the usual MMO things in this world, um, it's really easy to pick up and put down. Uh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, such... Such a brilliant game. Um, yeah, just go play it. What mm-hmm. are you doing? Like, if you haven't played it yet and you just heard us talking about it, what are you still doing here? Go fucking play <laughs> it. You're yeah. going to love it. I promise you're going to love it. But, um, yeah, th- I mean, that's... I mean, obviously there are more things we could talk about, but, I mean, for the sake of keeping it at a reasonable <laughs> time, you know, this is the longest CAD we've done in a while now. Mm-hmm. Um for the sake of time, I think we'll leave it there. I mean, there's a lot more to talk about, but I think that's a good place to stop. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I, man, I fucking love this game. I'm kind of sad we're done talking about it now. <laughs> right? I'm kind of sad. Um, what, what I will say is if you want more content from us, head over to swordchomp.com where we have more podcasts, article section, and a merch store. And there's also a Patreon at patreon.com slash swordchomp. It's either accessible through the site or follow that um, link where you can find out how to support us um, financially, which we would greatly appreciate because we are completely listener funded and it helps us make content like this episode. So uh, I'll leave it at there. Uh, that's enough of the pitch. Hopefully you enjoyed this episode. Uh, like I said, it was a long time in the making and I'm, so glad that we finally did it um i'm hoping to follow it up with uh, the dlc episode coming up real soon so oh yeah be on the lookout for that but um josh thank you so much for sitting down to talk about this game with me i appreciate it dude it was fun it was fun don't don't get to talk about this game near enough i i think this is one of those absolute gems that has flown under the radar of way too many people Um, dude yes Yes, hundred percent agreed. Hundred percent agreed. Yeah, it's it's a game more people need to try out and play. I will say that. So, um, but at any rate, thank you so much for listening. Hopefully, you enjoyed this episode. Um, if you like this style, go back and check out all our other episodes. Um, we have a lot of funny, interesting, insightful episodes. But um, thank you so much for being here, checking this one out. We will be back 
next month with a brand new episode of Chompic After Dark. Take care. Ha, 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 ha.